Well, friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. And what a day it is today. I'm also presenter of Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday. Now, uh, this week, folks, uh, we have got one ripper uh, of a theme. We are really enjoying ourselves with this theme this week. Uh, the theme for the week is uh, perverse people, big questions about biblical characters. Now, uh, this uh, this has really taken us in a number of different directions. On Monday, uh, we looked at uh, King David and we asked, can a murderer and an adulterer be really called a man after God's own heart? That was an intriguing study, that one. Yesterday, we looked at King Solomon and asked, does Solomon taking a thousand wives justify polygamy? I really hope you enjoyed our study yesterday. Uh, I really uh, appreciated being able to share on that subject yesterday. Now, today, of course, we're looking at Samson, and this is a real beauty. Love this subject uh, today. Today, we're asking Samson, is Samson the classic example of toxic masculinity? Uh, now, this is so popular in the uh, contemporary contemporary world. I am really looking forward. Our, uh, uh, our co-host today, uh, Pastor David, is going to be sharing the Bible study on that subject. I am really looking forward to hearing about toxic masculinity. Are you sick of that term? If you are, just stick around. I believe uh, it'll go in a slightly different direction to what you might be expecting. Now, of course, to guide us through our discussion today, uh, we're joined by our regular Wednesday co-host, and that's Pastor David Butcher. And David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in uh, in South Oz. Now, welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary, and hello, listeners. Uh, are you enjoying this marvellous spring we're having? Yeah, look, it's it's absolutely sensational, isn't it? It's incredible weather. It it, it really is. I've actually just been hit with uh, uh, with hay fever. I hope I can get through our our, our program today without uh, sneezing and and all the rest. It is actually only hay fever, uh, but uh, watery eyes and everything is something that I've had to accustom myself to almost every every year. Uh, now, of course, we've actually also got with us in the studio uh, with us today a third uh, presenter, and uh, that's Pastor Brent Jones. Uh, now, Brent is the church pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church out at Cooper Pedy. Now, welcome to you, Brent. Thank you for having me. It, it's wonderful to have you have you here. You are a tremendous long way from home. Just a just a few miles down the road, yes. What are you doing in Adelaide? Well, I've just had a tooth removed and a few other things. And okay, so you've actually had to come from Cooper PD uh, down here to Adelaide uh, to satisfy some medical uh, needs. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. G- Gary, maybe we should ask Brent how far Cooper PD is from Adelaide and how far it is from Alice Springs or. Well, it's it's only nine hours from Adelaide, or eight and a half if you drive 
a little bit faster than the speed limit, which I don't recommend. We're, we're actually going to come to Cooper Pedy in just a moment, you know, because I really would love our listeners to hear just a little bit about Cooper Pedy. I mean, this is the underground town. This is known. And the wonderful thing about Cooper Pedy, of course, is that we have just become the third radio station to be aired in, uh, in, um, in Cooper Pedy. Uh, there are That's only right. three you can get and Faith FM is now one of those stations. Now, I want to Absolutely. talk to you about that and just a little bit more uh, in just a moment. But look, before we go there, what I'd like to do is just come to our World Watch segment and that will actually include this particular uh, subject because uh, I actually stumbled across a, an article. It was actually a couple of months back now. It was back in March uh, this year. It was in the, the Guardian newspaper, but it was talking about rural church parishes. Now, just let me just share with you just a few bits and pieces here because I want to pick up uh, some of the, the points that this article makes in your, your own ministry and then I'd like to throw a few questions at David as well because I'm really conscious that he has to actually staff uh, rural parishes and uh, I think it's really worth us talking about. The article's entitled... I wanted to have a future. Churches in rural Australia are struggling to keep the lights on. And uh, this is what the article says. Dwindling attendance has seen a drop in the number of operational churches in rural Australia, and ministers say the church has to change to survive. It's early March and the heat is stifling. People mill around on the pavement of the Uniting Church in Crookwell, uh, waiting for their turn to enter. But there's only standing room left inside. It's one of their own. It's the fourth funeral the 32-year-old Reverend Daniel Mossfield has taken in three weeks. The emotional toll and additional workload is taxing, he says. The other three funerals for the, were for community members that were not part of the congregation. Uh, people come back to us at death, and the assumption is we'll always be there, he says. Mossfield is a minister for the word for the parishes of Goulburn and Crookwell in the Southern Tablelands. He was ordained in 2018, making him one of the youngest reverends in the Uniting Church. Uh, Mossfield said, said, he commented, you never feel like you're doing enough. Uh, to give your congregation justice. The frustrating thing is that you can see what needs to happen uh, to help them grow, he says. Mossfield is on a full-time stipend uh, with costs shared between the parishes in the Uniting Church. The stipend is paid with the church offerings. In Crookwell, income from rental properties also funds his ministry. Churches that are underutilised are sold. The bigger... Uniting Church in the Southern Highlands was founded 115 years ago, but it was sold last year. Next ago is Kyala, and there are intentional conversations about several more, he says. In the diocese, uh, he continued, uh, between West Wylong, Cobar, Burke and Coonabarabran, 12 of the 28 parishes were without ministers. In Cobar or Burke, there will be a minister who travels from Ningen or Dubbo to help those churches and to take a service once a month and to do a funeral, Calder says. The Cobar position has only recently been filled. It's the first time that they've had a resident minister in 20, 20 years. Now, you know, this article just really, as I, as I looked at this article, it really started to challenge me because it started to talk a great deal about uh, certainly 
areas that certainly Faith FM uh, extends right into. But Brent, now look, I'd love you to actually just reflect a little bit on the uh, on the article. I mean, you're based at Cooper Pedy. Can you, I suppose, firstly tell us a little bit about your church? What is your church at Cooper Pedy really like? Well, uh, it's partially underground. It's um, we had a congregation of uh, two, three when I arrived, and so it's it's quite tough. Okay, and uh, but the good news is when you so that's changed, has it? It has. Yes, we've got more people coming along on a regular basis, and uh, it's it's very interesting because we can have completely different congregations per week. Um, so it's really in other words, as people's needs uh, are identified, you could actually have a you know a, a floating a floating congregation. Absolutely, yes. Do you find you get many tourists coming through town? We do actually, surprisingly enough, they're starting to wane off now because the temperatures are starting to go up. And yep. in fact, the a lot of there's about seventeen hundred and thirty. Uh, Residents in Cooper Pedy, and that'll go down to about 500 over Christmas. Yeah, look, I've actually spent some time out at Cooper Pedy, and I have to admit, I, I, I every time it amazes me, uh, the, uh, uh, the township of Cooper Pedy, the underground environment, mm-hmm. you know, you get a very stable temperature underground, but above ground, you get, uh, massive, uh, massive temperatures. And, uh, to me, to actually be involved in ministry out there, because I know that you go out to Udna Datta as well, mm-hmm. which is, of course, is the, Home of the, the the Pink Roadhouse, I believe. That's right. Hello to everybody out there. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and look, we want to say a really big shout out to all of our friends uh, who are up in uh, Udnadada because uh, and uh, and Cooper Pedy where they they do have an aerial. It's a wonderful thing that Faith FM can now be picked up at Cooper Pedy. Now, I've just got to just ask you about this one, Brent. Tell me, Faith FM. Uh, it's one of only three radio stations it's possible to get in Cooper Pedy. Mm-hmm. Now, how has has it made much of an impact as far as uh, church and worship is concerned? Absolutely. Uh, people are listening and conviction grows as the Holy Spirit and Jesus works on their hearts and uh, it makes it much easier for people to appreciate where true value and realities lie. Okay, okay. So you're finding people, uh, there are some who are starting to, to come along to, to worship as yes. well? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. Well, that's, that's exciting yeah, stuff. Absolutely. And I, cause I know that you've got your aerial, I believe it's on the, uh, the very, the highest point in the actual township, uh, itself. It's certainly and very close uh, to being the highest point. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, look, that, that's why, and it's wonderful to have you, uh, with us today and really look forward to your contributing to the, to the discussion that we're going to have today. Cause I think this is a real little ripper of a, of a subject. But David, look, if I can possibly just, just come to you if I can. Country churches. Now, look, you're responsible for staffing, not just city churches here in Adelaide, but uh, certainly a number of, uh, of country churches. Are country churches on the way out? Good question. I think church buildings, for example, since 2018 in the state of Victoria, it's been estimated that 30 churches are being sold a year. So we need to understand what's behind some of that. Before modern transport, um, when you had a village or a little town, a church would go up everywhere and one for every denomination. Uh, Now we have cars, we can travel further and quicker in shorter time. Um, Clearly, 
uh, the number of churches aren't needed as much. But what I'm finding in the state of South Australia, Gary, is we have actually, the last few years, increased staffing in our rural um, cities and our rural regions. We've actually increased it. Okay, okay. How? Why have you done that? I mean, how have you been able to do that? Yeah, look, first let me share with you, um, yeah, one of the rural cities uh, in South Australia, it's called Port Pirie, um, actually had a church, an, a beautiful stone church that was sold and it was turned into what they called the Church of Fish and Chips, a fish and chip shop. And uh, on their advertising, they have advertising saying water to wine, fully licensed, Sunday service, open every open every day, even Sunday. So you, a church was repurposed, yeah, open yeah. every day of the week, prayers answered, home delivery, yeah. and prawn again, give in to temptation. So it's pretty sad when you see a church of yesteryear yeah. being repurposed yeah. uh, and 30 churches closing a year. Um, I guess something else, Gary, is that uh, I was reading a Melbourne blogger. He's a Baptist pastor, and he wrote an article in uh, on his blog in uh, April 18 of this year. Murray J. Campbell, a Baptist pastor, in his blog, he was basically saying that in Melbourne, he was saying Christianity isn't dying, but Melbourne is witnessing the death of nominal Christianity. And he painted in his blog, uh, and I, th- it was, I thought it was quite compelling, he was saying the churches that stick and denominations that stick to the, the, the biblical message... And, and what the Bible teaches, they're actually not declining. They're either holding steady or even increasing. Okay. And he actually went on to say that the more progressive churches, and I'm quoting him, Murray J. Campbell, a Baptist pastor, blog, April 18, 2023. He says, the more progressive a church is, the more likely it will experience decline. The classic example is the Uniting Church, which has lost something like 50% of its adherence since since its beginning in 1977. Then he says, faithfulness to the Bible actually works. I'm interested that actually what you've actually said there is faithfulness to the Bible is what works. You didn't say faithfulness to tradition. And I think that this is something that we do have to pick up on, you know, because sometimes we turn around and just simply say, hey, look, you know, uh, you know, these churches are traditional and people like tradition. uh, Therefore, they're coming along. But the point that he's actually making is that churches who are being biblically faithful are the ones that are growing. That's true. And, and look, in our own context in South Australia, we have a little town, um, uh, about 130 kilometres out, little town out of, out of Adelaide, 130 kilometres, probably 2,500, 3,000 people. It was a thriving church filled with many people years ago. But for probably the last <clears throat> four years, there's been really no one there. Okay. We've stopped services. But we had a pastor come along saying, why don't I open it up? In, in the church hall and create a food pantry. And that's exactly what he's done. He's created an Adventist Development Relief Agency food pantry. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he went there with a vision. Yeah. And we have to be relevant to the community, but we shouldn't water down our message. It has yeah. to be a yeah. biblical, yeah. uh, biblical based congregation. And this is seeing huge success, isn't it? Well, no church service there. Yeah. Church is repurposed for the time being. And it's, a food pantry with 30 to 40 people every week coming for food, now mm. open at least one and a half days. It's connecting with the community. Now, people are asking uh, the volunteers in there and our pastor, can you have prayer with me? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it is true. Some country regions are shrinking. Some towns are shrinking. Uh, people move into the big smoke. What do you do with your church? Yeah. You have to be biblical, re- biblically relevant 
not so much to tradition, but uh-huh. to the Bible. Uh-huh. Secondly, are you connecting with your community? Okay, okay. And don't water down your message to communicate and connect with them. Okay, look, I really, I just let's hold that because I think that's really good, Brent. Um, just, I'd love you just to comment this issue of, um, I mean, not watering down your message and connecting with the community. Are, are you finding that that's Absolutely a useful true. thing out at out at Cooper Pedy? Absolutely. See, people are attracted to truth and yep. to love, and if you can combine those two. It's appealing because in the society we live in, truth's not very popular, is it? Yeah, yeah. And well, you look at your daily politician, you know, survey, yeah. you know, for, from your politician, you know, and I mean, a truth is something that's certainly been pushed very much into the background. Um, but so, you know, certainly biblical understanding, biblical truth is just so important. I find, I believe it's becoming more and more relevant, uh, to the era that we're actually Absolutely. living. Uh, but I'm interested also, I mean, how do you relate to your community, uh, at Cooper PD? Well, I try and help out in the community and see where needs are. And uh, uh, we're a mining community. You reflected with me earlier that you uh, have actually made made contact with a lot of the community leaders. Yes, that's right. Making friends with people. And we learn what the needs are. And if we can help with those needs, then people appreciate that. Because uh, Jesus at the well, yeah. you know, he met the needs and people... It, they grew from there, yeah. indeed, indeed. Brent, really appreciate uh, uh, what you're what you're able to uh, able to share share with us. Uh, but folks, look, I'm conscious our time is starting to run away from us. Uh, let's come to a little bit of uh, music. This is uh, uh, Faith First, and uh, they're uh, presenting uh, where there is faith. Uh, please, uh, please enjoy this uh, this really beautiful rendition. Please enjoy. It.
Foster, Where There Is Faith. What a beautiful rendition that, uh, that really is. Where There Is Faith. Uh, there is, there is hope. Uh, folks, look, we do have a giveaway, a book, uh, for you, for you today. Now, look, this book, uh, really links in with our theme for this week. Um, this week we have been l- looking at, uh, at those people, perverse people, uh, big questions about biblical characters. And, uh, this week's, uh, book is entitled, Have You Ever Been Lost? Now, this is a real ripper. Have you ever been lost? Maybe you faced a crossroad in your life with w- no idea of which way to go. Possibly you've taken a wrong turn and nothing looks familiar. It's inevitable. Your anxiety level increases dramatically when you know you're lost. Maybe you're thinking about being physically lost as you're thinking about other emotions that come with it. The overall uncertainty of what do I do? Or the unsettled feeling of wandering alone in the wilderness. In the Bible, what we find is that there's hope for the wanderer, hope for the restless person who's looking for something more. There's assurance. Uh, there's a, that the world, in a world of so much uncertainty, uh, in, in un, so much uncertainty, uh, we actually find incredible hope. Uh, now, guys, look, this is a, a real beauty of a book. It's actually been uh, written for those who are new to faith. If you are new to faith, or perhaps you know someone who this book could could benefit, it is written with that audience in in mind. Have you ever been lost? Um, and and this is starts, you know, talking. It's physical lost. But it's also spiritual lostness. Uh, the two are remarkably similar. Now, folks, if you'd like your own copy of Have You Ever Been Lost? Uh, why don't you text us? Now, our studio text number is, uh, 04 888 That number again, 04-888-808-11. And, uh, the, in your text, all you've got to do is put the code. Now, the code is SA143. Now, that's five digits in a row. Uh, please don't put a gap between the SA and the 143. Uh, just uh, five digits in a row is all you need. And that'll go through to our robot. And uh, our robot, he'll come back to you. We call him our bot. He comes back uh, to, uh, to you. Uh, he'll ask you a few questions so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way. Way possible. That book again, Have You Ever Been Lost by Chris Holland? Uh, and uh, it, it's designed for the, for the new believer. Uh, this will offer encouragement where there is uh, heartbreak. Uh, now, that number again is 04888-80811 and the code is SA143. All you've got to do is to send that in and uh, that number, we've already got people uh, sending in um, uh, requests. And uh, thank you for, for doing that. I believe you'll greatly appreciate this uh, this book. Uh, now, folks, you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And to guide us through our Bible study today, we're joined with our regular Wednesday uh, host, and that's Pastor David Butcher. We've also got with us uh, Pastor Brent Jones, who's uh, the pastor from Akupapiti, uh, where we've only just launched a Brand new station, and it is fantastic to have Brent with us uh, in the uh, studio. And uh, we're going to be encouraging him to uh, uh, offer some uh, some feedback on the subjects that we're dealing with today. Now, of course, this week we have been following that theme: 
perverse people, big questions about biblical characters. You know, not every biblical character was as perfect as what some people would think uh, that they they should they should have been. Uh, we've we've looked this week at even King David. We've looked at um, King Solomon. Uh, today we're looking at this man Samson. We're winding back the clock a few years. We're looking at Samson and we're asking: uh, Is Samson the classic example of toxic? Masculinity. Now that's a term that a few years ago I hadn't heard. You probably hadn't heard either. Uh, but it's being bandied around today, uh, like there is no no tomorrow. Now, David, uh, toxic masculinity. It's uh, it's one of those uh, I suppose trendy new terms uh, that uh, ha- has been pushed on us in in recent years. Um, now, so, uh, Samson, if you think about it, is a man that. Uh, is painted in the scriptures as being strong, um, definite, opinionated. He's a ladies' man. Um, you know, I mean, what was his real problem? Um, was it some form of toxic masculinity? And what is toxic masculinity anyway? Uh, so help us out, David. Yeah, I had to look up, Gary. You always give me these curly ones, don't you? I had to look up toxic masculinity. I actually had, clearly I had some ideas, but um, just one definition. This is from the Journal of the School of Psychology. It uses the following definition for toxic masculinity. It says, it's the constellation of socially regressive masculine traits that serve to foster domination the devaluation of women, homophobia, and wanton violence, and um, essentially, it's it's this harmful concept of masculinity um, putting significant importance on things such as strength, lack of emotion, self sufficiency, dominance, and sexual virility. And if you don't have these things, you're not a real man. Also, it would include things such as um, excusing bad behaviour by simply saying, boys will be boys. Okay, okay, all right. Well, th- th- this makes a, a really uh, a really interesting discussion today because you better tell us, first of all, a, a little bit about this man, uh, Samson, because some of our you know listeners may not be, be that familiar uh, with this man, Samson. Who was he and why are we asking this question about him today. Okay, let me backtrack a little bit, Gary, but we'll certainly get to that. In Genesis 6, we have the story of Noah, and in Genesis 6, verse 5 and onwards, it says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it goes on to say the Lord was sorry that he'd made humanity, he was going to destroy it. But then in verse 8, it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So when we depart from God's plan, and this is what happened in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they departed from his plan, there is always a consequence. We become sinful, we become wicked, uh, there's jealous intent, there's me first, there is selfishness and greed, there is crime, moral corruption, and ultimately death. And if we, we go to the book of Judges, the very, very last verse, and uh, I'm not sure, Brent, whether you have access to uh, Judges chapter 21, and verse 25. Okay, this is uh, Judges, Judges 21, 21 and, and verse, verse, 25. Uh, verse 25. Uh, do you have that there, Brent? Would you like to just uh, share that with our listeners? And in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now, that's interesting because that's actually the very last verse in the book of, uh, in the book of Judges, and it sums up 
Israelite society at that time. Yeah, everyone is doing what they thought was right for themselves and there was no king in Israel. Now, there was no physical, literal king, but that also neglected the heavenly king. Okay. And I don't know about both you and Brent, Gary, but... Um, that seems to me to be the era in which we're living. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. Brent, how would you actually respond to that? I mean, is that, you know, does that sum up our secular, secular world today? I think it sums it up beautifully because the, the, on the spiritual side of it, it, it's partial conversion. Everybody's doing what they want to do. And the secular side of it, you know, I, me, myself, and nobody else. Those are the popular catchphrases. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, and, and that was the situation in Israel at this time, and it's at that time this man Samson comes along. It, it was, and, and so just to give in, that, that phrase, there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in their own eyes, is repeated two other additional times in the mm. book of Judges, which tells us there's a massive issue, human sinfulness and wickedness and departing from God. And as Brent said, when we're only half-hearted in our walk with God, uh, essentially, we're, we're fallen and we're going to end up corrupt and all these other things, such as toxic masculinity. And one of you told me about, uh, I don't know if you use the word, toxic femininity. Well, actually, that's, that's actually, I, when I was actually doing my, um, my homework for our little presentation today, uh, I went on and I, uh, went on to, you know, the, uh, World Wide Web, of course, and, uh, uh, I looked at, uh, toxic masculinity, but I was also amazed to discover that there is actually a thing called toxic femininity as well. And I, I didn't realise that. We don't hear about we that. Don't do we don't hear about that, but there is actually a thing called toxic femininity. And I, I was actually did some interesting read up on that one as well. And, you know, to me, so I looked at it, I thought, hey, you know, there is, and this is actually as dangerous as toxic masculinity. Delilah certainly seems to be a... Um, now, who was Delilah? You mentioned Delilah. Who was she? Well, that's who Samson married. Okay, this is this is the woman that Samson ultimately said to his father, "Hey, go and get that woman for me because she pleases me greatly." Uh, and uh, and we find that Delilah functions in a way where you've got to say, "Hey, you know, this is toxic femininity." In its most extreme form. So this is not just this story isn't just a story about uh, someone who possibly was guilty of toxic masculinity, but it includes others who are examples of toxic femininity. Or David, am I stretching this a bit? No, I I think you're correct. And and I think we need to look at the setting of the book of Judges. Uh, The story of the book of Judges is is essentially about... um, uh, God's people after the death of Joshua, um, without a king before Samuel's time, uh, basically departing from their relationship with God, not trusting in him, worshipping the gods of the nations around them, falling into sin. Then they become oppressed by these foreign nations and, yeah, and, and yeah. people. Then they finally call out to God and repent and say they're sorry, and God raises up for them a deliverer, a judge. And the, the word judge can mean deliverer or, deliverer or saviour, who delivers them. They come back to God, they remain with God for a while, then the cycle repeats itself, falling away from God, apostasy, um, they're oppressed by foreigners and then they call out to God, they repent and another deliverer is raised up. Now, one of these stories, um, Judges 4 and 5, is a woman called Deborah. 
She's mm-hmm. a prophetess. She's a powerful woman. She goes where 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 Barak refused to go, and um, in the end, you have a woman called Jael who who grabs a tent peg and uh, plunges it through the skull of of a a foreign enemy captain. So what we're finding here in the book of Judges, it's gory, it's gruesome, and it is so because God had told uh, most of the enemies had been removed, most of the people there had been removed, and God told them they needed to remove the remaining tribes and people there because, and Gary, you you handle this really well, why did God want the other peoples removed from Canaan? Yeah, look, this is this is one of the things that often uh, uh, a Christian person is actually uh, uh, a challenge, you know, that God said wipe out these uh, these nations. Uh, what a lot of people don't actually realise is what was actually going on amongst uh, amongst these nations. We actually have children being, uh, being brought up to accept and adopt uh, things such as uh, not just human sacrifice, but child sacrifice. And, uh, you know, there are, uh, I, I, I won't actually share the story of how that actually, that human sacrifice actually took place because it's actually too gory. And I'm conscious that, uh, other, uh, not, not everyone, uh, may be just, uh, uh, adults, uh, listening to it, to our program today. But that was incredibly gory as to how that sacrifice took place. And this was part of the, uh, of the, of the nation's regular practice. The nations themselves had become so, to such a level that, uh, God, uh, said, I can only, I can only fix this problem by Wiping out these nations, and they had been given time, hadn't they? And, and you know, sometimes, David, um, David, one of the things that people sometimes say to me is, uh, "Look, uh, uh, doesn't uh, uh, doesn't uh, God, um, you know, if God, ca- I mean, can is it right for God?" To judge these nations like this and to tell the um, Israelites to wipe them all out. And I'll actually share with people and I'll say, look, this is what's actually taking place. Uh, this is what these nations are doing to their own children. And now, if in fact God sees these things and he does nothing about it, then the easiest thing in the world to say is, why doesn't God act? Mm. You see, God seems to lose if He does act, or if He doesn't act. Uh, if He if, if He doesn't act, the question is asked: Why doesn't He act? If He does act, then the question is: Why does God uh, allow the wiping out of these these nations? What's actually occurring here is so horrendous that God finally had to act. And, you know, you find the same thing in Noah's day. The people in Noah's day got to such a depraved point that at some point God simply had to act and say, hey, it's enough. And so it's going to happen again, isn't it's it, we're told? Well, and it's so, already happened, hasn't it? It has. And so this is the environment that we find these judges, Samson being one of them. It was yeah. a gory, brutal time because yeah. God's people hadn't removed yeah. the other inhabitants of the land. Let's pick up the story of, of Samson. And he's like a superhero from the Bible in yeah. one sense yeah. of masculinity, yeah. of yeah. a leader, uh, super powerful, the strongest man we believe that's ever lived. Um, judges 13.1, it says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. The story goes on 
and it tells us about a man called Manoah and his wife. She was barren. She couldn't have kids. The angel of the Lord comes to her in chapter 13 of Judges, and he tells her that she's going to conceive a child, uh, that uh, that she shouldn't drink wine or, or uh, juice from the grape, nor eat unclean food, and the same should be for her son. So this is a godly, divine pronouncement of a birth. And what I want to say, Gary, just before we go to the break, the angel of the Lord, and we find out in the chapter that it's God himself that comes and visits Manoah's wife and Manoah, um, he gives them the plan for Samson, the plan for how his wife should live during the pregnancy. He tells them that Samson will begin to deliver Israel. And then we find uh, when Samson is born and he grows up, in verse 25 of chapter 13, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Manahadan between Zorah and Eshtol. Everything for a perfect life, for a, a great future, was given. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him, He and he starts to act on behalf of the, uh, the people. Of, of the Israel. oppressed people. He's there to deliver them. Okay. Let's find out what happens because what we find is that a change does actually take place. But look, guys, uh, let's come to some music. This is City of Light, uh, yet not I, but Christ through me. Uh, please enjoy this uh, this song. Yes. 
And uh, the song, uh, Yet Not I, But Christ Through Me. What a beauty that is. Uh, Folks, look, our giveaway book again for today. If you haven't requested, we've had a number of people request our book today. And uh, thank you so much for contacting us. Uh, If you would like this particular book, Have You Ever Been Lost? Uh, This is a real beauty. It's by Chris Holland. Uh, It it talks about, uh, it talks to people who possibly are considering that they are lost. Uh, have you ever been lost? Maybe you faced a crossroad in your life with no idea of which way to go. Possibly you've taken the wrong term and nothing looks familiar. It's inevitable. Your anxiety level increases dramatically uh, when you know that you are lost. Have you ever been lost? Now look folks, this book is intended for a person who may be a new believer. Look, if you are a new believer to Christianity, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, if you've never considered the possibility and you'd like to hear a little bit more about it, then this is the book that you you need. I recommend this book to you. Please pick it up. It's intended just for you. Uh, now folks, look, if you would like your own copy of uh, Have You ever been lost all you need to do is to text us now our studio text number again is 04 888 808811 04 and all you've got to do is put in your text our studio the book code for today now that code for today is SA143 that's five digits in a row 
SA for South Australia 143 and uh, you request this uh, this book it'll go through to our robot he'll come back to you our robot will ask you a couple of uh, questions get some details off you so that uh, we can uh, uh, get this book to you in the fastest way uh, possible uh, now the book again have you ever been lost by Chris Holland our text number is 04888 and the code is SA 143 you'll love uh, this uh, this particular uh, particular book uh, SA 143 uh, please put that number we have had some uh, requests come in without that number our robot is a dumb robot and uh, our robot if you don't put that code he doesn't know what we're talking about so SA just send us 04 triple eight eight oh eight eleven and the code is SA one forty three and uh uh and our robot will come back to you. Now folks you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time big Q and A with our Pastor Gary and this week we're following the theme theme perverse people Big questions about biblical characters. And today we're looking at Samson. We're asking, is Samson the classic example of toxic masculinity? Uh, David, thank you so much for what you're saying. Bring it all together for us. Thanks, Gary. You've painted a beautiful picture of of the people that were in Canaan and how God had asked them to be removed, but uh, the Israelites had failed to do so. And they were oppressed for 40 years. And then Samson is a promised child. He is born. But before he's born, we read in... Um, Judges 13.5, where the angel of the Lord said to Manoah's wife that this baby boy would begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. In other words, he was raised by God with supernatural strength to get rid of the oppressors. So he was literally a strong man. He was a strong man. In fact, he was the strongest man ever. In fact, uh, just to give you one example, uh, in verse 15 of chapter 15 of Judges, it says, Samson found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. Don't know how you get a fresh jawbone of a donkey, but anyway. Fresh jawbone of a donkey reached out his hand and took the jawbone and killed a thousand men with it. Wow. Now, that's supernatural strength. That is. That is. That's not normal. There are other stories where he goes into a city and he, he uh, is surrounded at night. They shut the city gates and he gets out in the, in, at midnight or in, before morning and he lifts the gates, posts and all, off, their, off their, their guides, puts them on his back and walks about 15 or 18 kilometres out of the city up a hill and dumps them. That's supernatural strength. Wow. Wow. So, so Brent, um, Samson's the strongest man ever. He was given strength for a purpose, a godly purpose, to remove those uh, those people that had their cup had filled up, if you like, with the violence that they had done. But things didn't work out as well as as the plan. With the strength comes the need to be dedicated to God, who gave the strength. And partial conversion, we see him fluctuating between conversion and non-conversion. And now, hang on. Just, I mean, you've said something here that I just want to pick up on. You've said partial conversion. Now, he's, uh, you're suggesting that, uh, uh, that Samson was only partially converted. Why do you actually say that? Well, it's quite evident in the text that uh, women seem to be his downfall. He, he's not great at choosing. Women are his downfall. His choices of women. His choices his of women, because he actually chooses... Um, uh, uh, Baal, pagan, uh, women who worship pagan gods. Not the God of heaven. Not the no. God of heaven. God's given them the strength, 
but he's denying God. Okay, so he starts to move away from uh, from the, I suppose, the, the teachings of his youth, the teachings of his mum and dad. He starts to move his own direction uh, and uh, starts to uh, use his strength not just for delivering Israel, but really for his own pleasures. His own pleasures. So this is where the toxicity comes in. And as we've said, this can come when anyone is only half converted, uh, whether you're male or female, you can be toxic. Ah, David, I think you've actually nailed something here. I really want to pick up on this, on this particular thought. Uh, you're, you're suggesting that toxic uh, masculinity or toxic femininity becomes possible when a person is lacking the spirit of God. Well, exactly. So we knew, we know that uh, after he's he's born, it says the spirit of God began to move upon him. But uh, the first encounter with the wrong woman at a place called Timnah, what does he say to his parents, Brent, when he comes back after telling them who he's met? He says, get her for me. Tells his father, get her for me because she pleases me well. Uh, and look, how many times do we actually hear that type of statement in different forms being made today? You know, there is a, a woman there that pleases me well. I'm going to go and put out all lengths to get her for me. No matter what. No matter what. That is toxic masculinity. Absolutely. And, and he's denying, uh, God who's wanting him to use his talent for positive things, they then become a curse when he's not surrendered. Physically strong, but spiritually and morally weak. Three times, once uh, once with this woman at Timna, once with a prostitute at Gaza, and then he comes upon Delilah, the devourer. Okay. A- and he is so weak, he finally gives in and tells her the source of his strength in the hair, if you like, the physical representation of the strength. Uh, the hair is removed. He's, he's cut while he falls asleep in her, in her lap. The hair is cut. And it actually says there that, um, uh, the. Just, just the background there. The symbol of his strength was actually his uncut hair because he was actually a Nazarene, had taken a vow. Never to have it uh, cut. Never to have actually have it cut. So this was actually a symbol of his allegiance to God. And in cutting his hair, he's actually cutting his allegiance mm. to God. And, and, and that's it's progressive. Thank you. It's progressive. Yeah, a little bit at a time. And he dallies with the devil in, in Delilah and finally it catches him because once they shave his head, that external symbol of his cutting his connection with God, it says in um, Judges 16, 16 uh, verse 20, it says, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Now, Brent, really quickly, really quickly, what happens next in this story? Well, he's made a slave. He's lost his strength. He's lost his connection to God. So all the blessings that he had, he's lost. Beautiful. He's in, jail. he's in jail, treated like an animal. His eyes are poked out. Uh, we find, though, that it says his hair began to grow again. And for me, this is an external symbol mm. of his repenting, if you like. And reconnecting. Reconnecting with God. He's led into this temple with uh, several thousand people there to mock him. Mm. He's blinded, led in by a young boy. And finally, uh, we see this reconversion of a toxic uh, man, if you like, when he pleads to the Lord 
And he says, O Lord God, remember me, I pray, strengthen me, I pray you, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And God gave him that strength. He pushed on those two pillars that he was leaning against, and this whole pagan temple came down and fell. And it says a very sad ending. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he killed in his life. Wow. A life wasted. Mm. What might have been. What might have been. It began well. It could have been so much better. And yet the amazing thing about uh, Samson is that if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, where the heroes of faith are actually listed, whose name do we find there? He is listed there along with uh, Jephthah, along with David and Samuel and Barak and Gideon. So here is a man that ended up recommitting his life to God, listed amongst the heroes of faith. But it's a lesson for us. Yeah. You can have the best parents, the godly upbringing, the Spirit of God moving upon you, ordained for a purpose in your life. But when you were saying, Brent, that saying again? Partial conversion. Partial conversion can lead in a direction that even you may not recognize. You know, to me, uh, what does this say to me? It says that, uh, hey, without the Holy Spirit in my life, my masculinity or my femininity can actually become toxic because I start to use it in ways that uh, are going to, uh, to to present real issues in my life. Uh, masculinity, femininity can become toxic if it's not directed by the Holy Spirit. His eyes were physically poked out, but spiritually and morally he was also blinded. Yeah, yeah. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for the example of uh, of Samson. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you also for the examples we've seen this year, of uh, this week, of uh, King David and King Solomon. Uh, Lord, I'm just so conscious uh, that we live in a world where uh, our, our physical attributes can very quickly become toxic uh, without your spirit. Uh, Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody who's struggling right now on this particular issue, uh, that you might be with them, that you might might empower them, that you might fill them with your spirit, uh, that indeed uh, we might walk as children of God. Uh, Lord, uh, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Pastor David, Pastor Brent on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join Drive Time tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan will be looking at Thomas and we're going to ask, do good believers ever doubt? Really look forward to your being with us then. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God abundantly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.